1: if you've been going through perimenopause or menopause you know the struggle to find comfort in your body is real no matter what you try no matter what you do you're just feeling off that's why i'm so excited that i found hormone harmony it's not just a supplement for women going through perimenopause menopause or postmenopause it's become a phenomenon women cannot stop talking about it on social media and a bottle of hormone harmony is sold every 24 seconds Happy Mammoth, the company that created Hormone Harmony, is dedicated to making your life easier. And that means using only science-backed ingredients that have been proven to work for women. They make no compromise when it comes to quality, and it shows. And the best part, the biggest benefit, is feeling like yourself again. That's what women mention over and over in their reviews. And there are over 17,000 reviews for Hormone Harmony. So check with your doctor before beginning any other supplement or strategy to address your health care. And if you're curious and want to give it a try, for a limited time, you can get 15% off your entire first order at happymammoth.com. Just use the code Get Naked at the checkout. That's happymammoth.com and use the code get naked for 15% off today. Welcome to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. I'm your host, Dr. Kate Balistrieri, a Beverly Hills-based psychologist, certified sex therapist, and the founder of Modern Intimacy. Thanks for joining me here, where I talk about sex, relationships, mental health, and dive into your questions with practical answers and real solutions. Each week, I share insights aimed at helping you build an authentic and healthy relationship with yourself, with others, and with your sexuality. It's time to get naked, emotionally, mentally, and on your own time, physically. Hi, everyone. Welcome back. This week, I'm really excited to be speaking with Gabby Balsells. Gabby is an intimacy and relationship coach at Modern Intimacy, and her training is really unique. She is a licensed psychologist in Guatemala, and because her training and uh, education does not transfer to the U.S., Gabby practices as a coach with Modern Intimacy and can see clients internationally. I asked Gabby to come on the podcast today because we get a lot of questions from folks wondering how to cultivate a really healthy relationship when they have such different cultural backgrounds. And one listener in particular wrote in and said, hi, we are, we've been together for three years. I'm Japanese and my partner is of Indian descent. We really love each other, but our families have a lot of expectations about who we are as people and how we should be as a couple. It's really frustrating and it causes a lot of conflict. What should we do so that we can make this a better relationship for us without upsetting our parents? Gabby, you, welcome thank you so much it's a pleasure to be here i'm so excited to talk with you about this you've shared a lot about your own process of blending two cultural backgrounds in your relationship uh, with me outside of this episode so let's dive in what are some of the difficulties that people can expect when they're coming from two different cultural backgrounds and they're really fighting for love
0: This makes so much sense. I am so passionate about this because I grew up in a bicultural household. My dad is from Guatemala and my mom is American and I watched them kind of have these two separate cultures with each family. Um, And me and my sisters did what we now call code switching, which before there was not this word for it. We would just kind of change Mm -hmm. and adapt to the culture we were in. And it was fascinating to me to watch these dynamics play out. And now what makes sense to me is that one of the biggest gaps in their relationship, in my parents' relationship, was that they never found a way of blending these two cultures together. That means to me the being willing to create a new set Mm -hmm. of culture a new way of doing things and the blending comes from taking what is really important to you and kind of like the best of where you came from and also surrendering and leaving and dropping the things that don't quite work for you for me the culture piece is huge in seeing where differences come from in families but even if you're from the same country it still feels like it's two different worlds coming together when you're in a relationship. So,
1: yeah, there's so much that we bring to a relationship based on how we were raised. And even if people grew up in the same zip code, they might have had really different cultural expectations infused into their family systems that they may not even be aware of until they go into partnership with someone else and now are bumping up against what they believe to be common sense or practical ways of existing, and their partner has really different ways of managing the same kinds of uh, life or relationship questions. But something you sense really interesting. Um, you observe that your parents kind of lived in this either or, they were either practicing one culture or the other. But I'm hearing you say that really blending together the cultures and taking the best parts of both that they decide are the best parts of both And kind of creating a new culture of their family is the way through.
0: Exactly. It feels to me now like a missed opportunity Mm. that there was not this blending. It feels to me now that that's really what compatibility would be, is taking what feels really intentional and then also tweaking to make it your own Mm -hmm. so that it feels like it really fits the individual needs of a partnership. And so with your question before, it's like, what could we expect bumping into, you can expect a lot of differences because we grew up with a set of rules around what it means to be um, a good partner a good woman, a good man, a good human, the way of doing things, the way of running your house, um, what it means around traditions, what it means around respect. So the way of doing things, even something simple like visiting friends or punctuality, um, coming from different cultures, you can get to really deep root meanings behind things that seem superficial. So what we know also about couples, but especially around culture is, it's never about the thing you think you're fighting about, right? It's not about the dishes. It's not about the arrival time. It's always something deeper. And so the cultural piece is like, let's
1: get to that deeper meaning that that might take a lot of digging though. It does. But but you really, I think, are honing in on the core of it. Like we attach a lot of meaning to the different rituals that we've created and that we've been raised in. And those rituals work. And I say work in quotation marks. They become familiar. They become the set of guidelines or rules or sort of family law. Um, and when you bump up against someone else's family law or ways of being or rules or expectations, you're really hitting on things like respect, um, trust, uh, it, it can jumble our entire framework of the world to be met with a partner who does things so differently, and feels completely okay with that, right? I think the, the, the areas where I see this happen a lot usually are around things like money, time parenting and um like sharing of friends and blending of social activities where do you yes start? where do you yes start?
0: i i love the expression <laughs> family law i see it a lot around a huge one is parenting mm-hmm. that's the biggest one of course um, I see it a lot around traditions too. Uh, so holidays are huge, holidays and vacations. Um, and then, of course, family and extended family. So for me, I work a lot with Latinos. In-laws mm. are the huge. It's like such a, it, there's a lot of jokes. It's a stereotype and it's actually true. Um, but what this kind of plays into is the way that you create operating agreements once you move in together, once you get married, and then once you have kids, it's like how much of each individual family are you going to let in? And that's when boundaries and time together starts getting really blurry. Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah. And I think it's important to also factor in the expectations of each partner's family of origin and how people are able to set boundaries with their their families or not, right? And what are the consequences of setting boundaries if the family doesn't agree with the boundaries that you're setting or the new direction that you want to take your life in? A lot of parents can take it personal sometimes, which can be really frustrating for partners in, in relationships because then it puts them in this double bind of, How do I flourish in my relationship and prioritize what makes sense for my partner and I while also not upending whatever is my family system with my parents or siblings or extended family?
0: That is so spot on. There is this double bind of honoring The way that your family did things and honoring and maybe wanting to keep the beautiful ways, the things that work, the the specific rituals and traditions that feel really important for you. And then also creating some space for doing things differently in a way that really prioritizes my new partner, and that it feels like we're both being intentional together. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But it is very common for change to mean to other people, parents and family members might take it to mean that you are not honoring, not respecting, and that you are pulling away from the way that we have always done things.
1: Right, which can be interpreted as you don't respect us and, and or you're rejecting something very personal about who we are. And I think that's the, the place where a lot of couples really find themselves in, in choppy waters because suddenly loading the dishwasher isn't about being efficient together as a partnership, it's about my family way is the right way to do this. And if, if we don't do it this way, then there's a disrespect about not just you and I together But the lineage that feels so important to me about how we, we in air quotes, conceptualize the way this is done.
0: Yeah, it it becomes a really charged issue, which is something helpful for listeners who hear us just say right now, if it feels like someone like your partner is having this um, exaggerated reaction, when there's some type of feedback or criticism around family or the way that that their family did things and that we want to change at home, that's where it comes from. It can become really hard to honor the way that things have been done and also propose new ways Mm -hmm. because, as you said, it is so tied to identity Mm -hmm. and it is also so tied to the heritage and the honoring of the way that people that have loved us and cared for us have
1: brought us up before. Yeah. Well, you've used the the language when you talk about helping couples to find a path forward for themselves. The language that you've used is creating a relationship by design. So, what are some of the first steps that people might take together to really become architects for relationship security?
0: Yeah, I call it creating a relationship by your own design, and not the design of your parents, of your friends. Um, of society, because I know for most of us, we kind of just follow along the programming that we've received for the next steps in life. And then suddenly, as, as couples coaches and therapists, it's like we can kind of see the future sometimes. And we get these couples who come in and just say, like, we fell into this dynamic 10 years later um, and it's not working. And we start asking questions like, why was it that we decided to take these roles and why did we decide to do it this way? And a lot of the questions are answered with through, through no fault of anyone. It's it's just this kind of like we fell into this. We never had a discussion. It was never explicit. Mm-hmm. Um, so the pre-work of this creating a relationship by your own design is having these explicit conversations and maybe even first just starting to question within yourself, what kind of relationship do I want when I'm thinking about committed partnership? What are the roles and responsibilities that I would have that my partner would have Mm -hmm. around domestic labor, housekeeping, supporting each other, um, the way that we go around in the world? How much of a priority do we want a relationship to take over work, over family, right? How much involvement do we want from our in-laws, um, from our extended family? How much alone time? How much together? And we're just starting to question why are we doing things the way that we do them,
1: mm-hmm.
0: right? Knowing that we are kind of like we're going about it as we start falling into these patterns, we're setting implicit agreements for how we do things. And if we never bring it to conversation, they just kind of stay set in stone without ever being something that we're agreeing to.
1: So true. And and, and that is, I think, what happens because we get used to a rhythm of implicit agreements. And then it becomes inconvenient to bring something up or one or both partners feel like something is working until it's not. And then all of a sudden, there's a conflict that erupts out of nowhere. But I think there's a lot of beauty in being in constant curiosity together, because you're not really going to know where you have differences until you have them. So you don't have to walk into a relationship with this giant list of areas um, upon which you have to develop agreements. I think instead there is this opportunity to stay open-minded and be really curious with each other when little things come up. For example, um, when my partner and I first started kind of merging our domestic spaces, we had a lot of differences in the way we did groceries. And it sounds so silly, But we would argue all the time about whether or not there were going to be coupons used, uh, which grocery stores had the best prices and is that the best way to approach groceries? Or did it make more sense to get what was time efficient so that we weren't laboring so much over going from store to store to get the best deal? And we would go back and forth on these things forever. And finally, we came to some agreements, but it took a long time and a lot of curiosity to be able to say, what does it mean to you to use coupons and save money? Why is that important? And where does that come from? And is it the only way to be? Versus, what does it mean to you to save extra time and pay a little bit more? And why is that important? And we couldn't get there until the pain was really big. And then we finally were able to say, like, we've got to get a little bit more knowledge on why this is such a charged topic between the two of us. And I think. That's what happens with a lot of couples they don't even realize they're stepping in a landmine until they are i love that you pointed this out that's
0: so true it's not that we have to have all the conversations beforehand or the clarity in fact you couldn't right until something comes up and the curiosity over this is feeling like a really big trigger to me, right? Like the, the fire that you must have felt over, hey, this this might be more than the groceries thing, right? Like what's beneath this? Or on the other side, noticing that in your partner, sometimes we just see it more from the outside. This is feeling charged for you. What is this really about? And it, sometimes it's not so much that you have to have the clarity, the exploring it together gets you there, which is the other factor. Um, So it's the clarity, but then the constant checking in and communication and feedback around the way that we've been doing things, suddenly noticing it's not working. That's when we need two things. It's like a growth mindset, meaning we always wanna do better and change and pivot so that it's either easier or more fulfilling, Um, but then also a willingness to change your mind. Mm-hmm. I think that that's a huge part of it, right? It's like if we sit down and we set an agreement around groceries and we've been doing it and then suddenly I realize that it's not working for me, but I already made such a huge deal around the groceries then it feels really hard to bring it up. And then that's when it doesn't feel sustainable. So also for couples who know that you have permission to change your mind and kind mm-hmm. of revisit agreements over time for the
1: rest of life mm-hmm. and that flexibility is what allows for couples to be really secure in their relationship right Stan Taken one of my mentors talks about this all the time that w- couples need to have a shared vision a shared meaning for being together and principles that govern a a foundation for secure functioning in a relationship. And one of those principles is prioritizing the safety and well-being of your coupleship together above everything else. So I think this is one of those areas where blending two cultural perspectives can really kind of bump up against the opportunity to get really curious together about what allows us to feel really secure together, right? And that prioritization is key. So if it's important to you, for example, to use coupons and get the best deal, but your partner has a really different perspective and is willing to spend more to save time in the groceries, like, okay, which one of you is going to feel less secure, right, if if the strategy isn't aligned with them? And if that, if there's no way that you can come to a middle ground arrangement that you both can live with, I think you've got to prioritize what's good for our partnership. So if I'm really insistent that this is the way it has to be, how does that influence our felt sense of safety together and security together? Am I prioritizing what's good for us, right? Over what's for me, or am I prioritizing what's good for me? and overlooking the importance of this in the greater picture of our relationship.
0: Yes, it does take a, a shifting into a us mentality. So that's part of the listener question, right? We're moving from an individual mentality into us together,
1: yeah,
0: into team, right? And for some people that's harder than for others, but it's true sometimes when it's a gridlock and we're getting to the deeper meaning most of the times it's around safety, security, financially scarcity, respect. It's the, those are the deeper meanings, respect, safety, security right? And if we're seeing the impact that it has on on another person, if this is going to stress out my partner, then how much does it mean to me, (laughs) right? How much am I willing to kind of surrender so that they feel more safety? Or which one of us will feel less safety around the coupon thing? Can we find that in another area? Right. So that's the flexibility. If we kind of see the theme, then maybe we can find it in another way Mm -hmm. so that, Also something that feels huge to mention is that we kind of shift with this flexibility until it feels like you're not self-sacrificing.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Support for Get Naked with Dr. Kate is brought to you by Manscaped, the best in below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools and recently launched the ultimate hygiene bundle for men or the man in your life. The performance package over 8 million men worldwide have trusted Manscaped and you can too with this exclusive offer for you 20% off and free worldwide shipping with the code GETNAKED at manscaped.com If my math is correct that's about 16 million clean shaved balls wow The performance package by Manscaped has arrived and to be honest I'm obsessed In the package, you'll find their lawnmower, 4.0 Trimmer, Weed Whacker Ear and Nose Hair Trimmer, the Crop Preserver Ball Deodorant, Crop Reviver Toner, Performance Boxer Briefs, and a travel peg to hold all of those goodies, or your goodies if you choose to steal it. (laughs) Men, it's time to step up. And if you're buying for the man in your life, it's time to take care of him. So go to manscaped.com and get 20% off and free shipping with code get naked, get 20% off and free shipping with the code get naked at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com and use code get naked, unlock your confidence or your partner's confidence and always use the right tools for the job with manscaped. Kickstart a fresh fall routine with HelloFresh. HelloFresh handles all the meal planning and shopping to deliver everything you need to cook up a tasty meal right at home. They do the hard part and you get to take the credit. When it comes to options, honestly, more is more. That's why HelloFresh's menu includes 40 recipes and over 100 add-on items to choose from every week. A busy fall schedule doesn't always leave you with time to spare, and with HelloFresh, you don't need to spend all evening in the kitchen to whip up a wholesome meal. With their quick and easy recipes and 15-minute meals, you can get a tasty dinner on the table in less time than it takes to get takeout or delivery. I know as a business owner and psychologist and someone writing a book, I don't have time to think about anything. So HelloFresh has been a lifesaver in helping me stay nutritious and satisfied with my meals. So go to hellofresh.com slash 50 Naked and use code 50 Naked for 50% off plus 15% off the next two months with America's number one meal kit. To quote Stan Tadkin again, he talks a lot about negotiating for a win-win. And I think what you're saying is so beautifully creative in the sense that maybe for one partner, Saving money on groceries is the most important way that they feel safe and seen and heard and valued. And so maybe you honor that, even though it's less convenient to spend the time doing that. But if there are other areas in the relationship where you really feel like, wow, I have more to lose in this realm, right? Maybe it's around who's going to do some of the domestic labor, some of the other domestic labor Um So maybe your partner leans into what you need. And so that can balance out an, an equanimity in both of you feeling really understood and having different safety needs or security needs prioritized for the greater we or us.
0: Exactly right. And that comes a lot from asking more questions and exploring together and sharing stories around, um, in this specific instance, right? The, The groceries, how was it in your family? Where is that coming from? Is kind of what we're asking. Tell me more. Who would do it so that we kind of get to the just the fact that one partner would want to say, I see that this stresses you out so much and I wouldn't want that for you. Let's find a way to move forward. Just that, even if the exploration feels challenging, is a great way to start.
1: How do you help couples where maybe one of the partners is a little bit more defensive and maybe doesn't know why some of these things are so important, but they just think it's common sense or that's just the way you do it, right? Defensiveness can take many forms, but it often feels rigid and difficult to kind of move with. So when you see that, how do you help folks get unstuck or become more flexible?
0: I try to find the block Mm -hmm. that is holding them back from really hearing or understanding each other more than trying to push them forward. Right. So instead of um, wanting to change things, I try to make really clear what is the resistance here. Mm. Um, so if there's a defensiveness, it's it's feeling protective. There's protection over the way that you've done things or the, the agreements that are currently existing. Why? Why does it feel so huge that we don't touch that? Yeah. Right. What is this feeling like it's... Uh, What would change about this if we start moving some of the pieces around, Mm -hmm. right? What's getting in the way of really hearing your partner's need? Um, Is it that they haven't been clear, right? Because that's also sometimes what happens. Mm -hmm. Or is it that they really are understanding and it threatens the sense of security of how we've been doing things? Or it threatens some part of their own identity? So what are the fears here
1: is a lot of the digging that we do. Yeah. I, I, In my practice with couples, and I imagine in yours as well, there sometimes can be a bit of resistance or hesitance because this is how we've been doing it for a really long time. And why do we have to change it now? And I think sometimes that speaks to fear. Sometimes it speaks to fatigue, right? I don't have the energy to sort of take on a new way of doing things. And sometimes it speaks to a bit of privilege that might exist between the partners and an entitlement to mandate that things stay the same. So I wonder if if you're on the other side of that, how would you recommend that partner uh, talk to their their partner and kind of wedge into some movement?
0: That's a good point. It might be when we talk about privilege, it might be that the person who doesn't want to change a dynamic is benefiting yeah. from the dynamic, of course. <laughs> um, they don't want to give more effort. Um, and there is a huge thread of fear over if we're changing relationship agreements. Most people equate change with fear of something bad, something's not working. Um, so I would recommend the bringing forward First of all, deep breaths of bravery into rocking the boat. Rocking the boat feels super scary. And we get that. But it is what's needed in order to create something new that feels more like a Mm win-win. And I like to explain also that the win-win is the only way that a relationship agreement would feel sustainable. Exactly. And without it being sustainable, it gets tiring and we get burned out. I also love to point out that resentment is a number one relationship killer. Mm-hmm. And so when it feels scary to change things, I like to highlight that it feels even scarier to me to let you keep on going in a dynamic that doesn't feel sustainable or doing things that are really tiring you or that you don't agree with because of fear of rocking the boat. Mm -hmm. Right. So from there, it's how can we point out what would be possible if we change this agreement? So we also can pose it as a positive. Right. Maybe that frees up more time for us together. Maybe that frees up. Um, more space for my self-care. Maybe that just frees up more of our safety in our relationship so that we can build on our intimacy, on our positive communication, instead of stressing and arguing around these specific issues, right? Yeah. So yeah. that's part of the growth mindset, right? We're changing this because I want to feel more connected to you, because I want to feel less stressed about this, Um, Because we have permission to create whatever works for us both.
1: Well, you just really hit on something that I think is super important because couples will get stuck thinking that something is a single issue topic. And sometimes when we're in that really self-protective mindset, it's hard to understand how shifting this one thing, this one behavior or way that you approach something together can actually cause a ripple effect of positivity throughout the rest of the relationship, right? So it's not a single incident issue all the time. Sometimes changing the way you load the dishwasher actually can create more time or more freedom between the two of you to address other things together. Right. And it does free up more emotional bandwidth or physical time so that you can spend more time together or be more efficient in the other relationship goals that you have. So I would encourage people to think about the interconnectedness of each of the experiences that are resulting in conflict or perhaps getting a little bit stuck in conflict and the benefit in resolving that issue Is good for you as an individual, but it's also really good for the other areas of your relationship that this issue undoubtedly touches.
0: And it's a great way to bring it up to your partner. So we always say it's about the dishes, but it's not about the dishes, right? (laughs) But if you kind of, if you can just first imagine how much more energy would that unleash if you didn't have to stress around this? Right. And then you pose it that way, especially if your partner's more resistant or defensive. It's how we kind of pose it as a positive instead of it being a criticism. And there's a better chance of them kind of asking more questions or buying into this on that way.
1: So let's talk about one of the biggest stumbling blocks or areas of challenge for couples who are merging together two different cultural worldviews and, and mindsets in loss. <laughs> How do partners address in-laws who have a lot of investment in how they should be doing their relationship, a lot of big opinions, a lot of big feelings, and maybe even some unhelpful behaviors as a result of the change that they're seeing their child um, manifest in their lives?
0: I think of in-laws as the couple needs to double down on being an island away from family and in-laws and in the own bubble of your home, set all these conversations, explorations, agreements and come together first around how are we going to navigate this so that you can then go to your in-laws and share. Mm-hmm. but not in a way that's open to feedback in that we'll design it together with family, but more so that we have already decided. Mm-hmm. So first of all, be a united front. That feels huge. Yeah. I've I've seen a lot of just moments of disconnection and, and betrayal happen because it's conversations that haven't been had behind the scenes and they're presented with family and there's input and then decisions are made or commitments are promised. And Hey, you didn't check in with me before. Like that feels
1: huge. That's a great point. Like uh, saying to your own family of origin, before you make any commitments, let me check with my partner and we'll get back to you. Now, sometimes that can create this villainization of the partner because the family of origin will say, well, they won't let you do this, or or they'll sort of, you know, create some positioning, right, where it's, it's the partner against the family. And sometimes the partner in the middle steps back and, and does let that dynamic happen, because then they get to abscond responsibility for any conflict, right, they kind of get to play the good guy or good girl or good person in both sides. So how do we prevent that from happening?
0: Yeah. If if there's a person that used to go to all the family events and suddenly they have this new partner and their time is more limited and they stop checking in and not going to all the events, for example, it makes sense that the family might see the partner as this villain that's taking away from our time together or the way that we've done things. Um, so the most important part is protecting your partner so that it's not that... I would say never using the language of my partner says Mm -hmm. or my partner decided, Mm -hmm. even if that's the case, even if the partner is really kind of getting between the family, that is something that the couple needs to take care of together, right? So never planting the no's and declining invitations with family and in-laws from a space of the other person decided and I'm just bearing the news, right? Always we decided together, let me check in with us together. Mm-hmm. Um, even if it's not your decision, we both decided that we won't be attending this event. That That is kind of the protection that I always think of if you're talking about family and in-laws especially. I always say that you are your partner's PR team. The way that you communicate around decisions, your relationship, the way that you introduce your partner to your family will set the pace for their relationship. It will. So if you protect them, if you even prep them beforehand, um, sharing important information. Like I shared with my partner, my dad is this way. It would be helpful if you speak to him about books. Uh, He's very academic. Like you can talk about these subjects. And I gave him a few suggestions. And then I said, oh, my mom is this way. This is the best way to approach her. Right. And so you kind of help them come into a dynamic where they're set up to be protected by you where you're always on their kind of like radar never leaving them alone and always just checking back in so that it seems like they are again this couple bubble that's floating around the rest um a huge part of this question is also developing the tolerance for there will be resistance
1: yeah Yes, yeah, in some family systems, it's really not accepted for an adult child to develop their own rituals in life or to prioritize their partnership over the family. So I do really have tremendous empathy for the loyalty binds that that can create for some people because sometimes it does boil down to having to make a decision about where you're going to be loyal, right? And unfortunately, a lot of folks will choose their families of origin and create distance between themselves and their partner. And that can lead to a lot of marital or relational discontent and sometimes even um, affairs and, and divorce or separation. It can make a partnership really, really long and uncomfortable and unsatisfying when somebody has inappropriate loyalties to their family of origin. But on the flip side, choosing their partner, may be something so intolerable for their family, that their family decides to go no contact or ostracizes them or ices them out or creates really impossible double bind situations for them to like, force Um, a choice that that maybe they didn't want to take in the first place. So I think together, really investing in your partnership, your coupleship, also can protect you against some of that shrapnel that might be coming from a family that's a little bit more resistant or hostile to change.
0: Yeah. If it is that double bind that feels impossible, we get that because we hear that from cultures and that is so hard. Yeah. And I would say it does come to a point where you think intentionally around, if I do have to make a black and white decision here, mm-hmm. where do I feel more at peace with prioritizing either my coupleship or family of origin? And would I be okay if the other person um, does go no contact? And that is, a, it's an impossible decision, right? And I know that it's sometimes in the more radical Cultures, um, In my experience, sometimes it also feels that way. Mm-hmm. It feels like there's no way forward. And then when we try and we iterate in different seasons of life with the honoring the family of origin, but also slowly and surely creating some new boundaries... Again, it might be that some people do not understand that, but a lot of times it feels like there's no way forward and we do find that honoring. Maybe it's not as much time together. This happens to me and my partner when we go to Guatemala. My family wants us both to stay with them. And his family wants us both to stay with them. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we've had to have, I call it iterations, which works really well of going home for Christmas. The first year we spend it apart, each person with their own families. Mm-hmm. And that was really beautiful quality time. But we also missed each other midnight on Christmas, for example. Mm-hmm. The next year he stayed with me for some weeks and then I stayed with him for some the next year, I had more work pressure, and I had a, a few things going on that I needed more privacy and space. And work was stressing me out so much, we ended up renting an Airbnb for a couple weeks mm-hmm. and we stayed there, right? And we met a lot of resistance from our Latino mothers, especially. Mm-hmm. But it felt like we had to set a lot of just tough conversations, and there was some of that villainization that. The next year, it got a little lighter, and I just had to tolerate that while also honoring. And what ended up happening is we made a lot of space for more quality time and presence. So it was less quantity, but more quality. So there is an opportunity for as you're shifting the way that you move forward, and you're iterating, and you're creating this relationship in a new way, you could create some new opportunities that then have better dynamics or better presence with your family. Um, And sometimes families respond Mm -hmm. and they also start shifting a bit of the way that things are done on their own.
1: And so so sometimes they surprise you. Yeah. Yeah. That's such a good point. Well, thank you so much for talking about this with me today. Um, for anyone who wants to work with Gabby, you can check her out at modernintimacy.com. Gabby, where else can people find you on social media if they want to follow your, your work?
0: People can find me on social media. I'm on Instagram and TikTok at Gabby Balsell. So we'll link my name in the show notes and you can look me up. Yeah, amazing. Thank you again.
1: Thank you so much. All right, everyone, we'll see you here next week. Thank you for listening to Get Naked with Dr. Kate. Stay connected with me on Instagram and TikTok at Dr. Kate Balistrieri. Everyone has questions, and I want to answer as many as I can. So feel free to email your questions to question at getnakedpodcast.com. If you're looking for a free 30-minute consultation with me or someone on my team, visit modernintimacy.com. And don't forget to join our newsletter, Modern Intimacy, on Substack. Let's meet back here next week. A new episode drops every Tuesday. Disclaimer, this podcast is not a substitute for therapy and does not constitute a professional relationship with Dr. Kate Balistrieri or Modern Intimacy. This podcast is strictly for education and entertainment purposes only. Seeking the truth never
0: gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death